for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome back into another edition of the blue horseshoe podcast ryan hickey and george bremer here with you it is titans week which means we will get you set for colts titans on sunday possibly we'll discuss this here in one second the division on the line here with this big week seven game Lane Bishop, now friend of the pod who jumped in to preview the week four game between the Colts and Titans, will make a repeat performance with Colts fans. If you're superstitious, that is a good thing. Marcel Robinson of the Jags, uh, or the Jags Up podcast, I should say, joined us twice. First time the Colts lost, second time the Colts won. Now same sort of situation here with Lane. We'll see if he can bring some of that same magic for the Colts that Marcel did bring last week. We will try, George, to predict the Colts accurately here. We've only predicted the Colts... One time, the the winner on Sunday correctly, and that was the free space game, as you like to say, back in week two, Colts-Jaguars. Otherwise, we've been dead wrong about this team every single week. They are impossible to read. So as we go into a, a pivotal game against the Titans, George, what is your confidence at least that you know what kind of Colts team will show up on Sunday? Whether you think they'll play good or play bad, we've had a tough time putting a finger on this team. Is there any sort of clarity one-third of the way through the year? I really don't think there is. I think that's still the the, the biggest overwhelming theme with this team is, is every week is a new season and you're just kind of waiting to see what this season looks like. Last week, the season went pretty well. This week, whole new ball game, whole new team. Uh, it's it just, it really has been no carryover at all, I feel like, from one week to another this year. Whatever the opposite of Groundhog Day would be, that's what it feels mm-hmm. like this cold season has been. Every single day you wake up and every single day it's like a, a brand new team, whether it's offensively, whether it's offensively, it is just, boy, oh boy, it has been a, a very busy season, we'll say at least so far, not a dull moment in, in Colts land here for the first six games of the season. But we mentioned off the top, George, Titans week is always pivotal because right now this rivalry has flipped of late. Titans have won four in a row and five out of the last six, including, again, their week four matchup in Indy. I know it's only week seven, right? This is only the seventh game of the season the Colts are playing it, and only the sixth for, for the Titans. So still a, a massive way to go in the season. But as you head into this week seven matchup in Tennessee, do you feel like whoever does win this game will win the division at the end of the year? It feels that way, and it's hard to say um, because there is so much time left in the year. Uh, and I think the division's tighter than it's been in a while. I do think that the Colts and the, and the Titans are the two best teams, but I think the Jaguars and Texans are closer to them than they have been, you know, most of the past four or five years, uh, except for that one year where, where Jacksonville went to the AFC championship game, which is still the, the, the <laughs> outlier of all outliers in, in the AFC South. Um, but you know, I, I, I think there's there's going to be bumps in the road, obviously, ahead for whoever wins. But it just feels like either Tennessee's got a, a sweep, which would be huge to have in their back pocket going the rest of the way, or the Colts finally get a split and finally slay this dragon. And I think either way, that's such a big win. Uh, and, and it would set that team up, you know, at the top of the division. And, and it'll be theirs to lose at that point. I'm with you. And there's still so much that could happen, right? Injury-wise, just poor play-wise. We've seen the Colts go into a spiral. We've also seen the Colts rise out of the ashes out of seemingly nowhere and, you know, play some red-hot football down the stretch in in October and November and even December as well. But I'm with you. I I do think the winner of this game on Sunday will win the division. In large parts, if you're the Colts, you win this game. You go to 4-2-1. You get a much-needed split with Tennessee, so they don't have the tiebreaker there. You look at this Tennessee team where it doesn't feel like this is 
as true of a contender like they have been in the past few years. Derrick Henry is not, you know, prime Derrick Henry. They're dealing with injuries. They're dealing with talent loss like A.J. Brown getting traded uh, in the offseason. So they're just not as good of a team as they have been in the last two years. And if you are able to get that, that much-needed split, and then also, too, you save your division hopes by going 2-2-1 two, two, and one through the first five games of the division compared to now if you lose your 1-3-1. and one, Like you said, if Tennessee has the season tiebreaker, if they win on Sunday, you have the season tiebreaker, you have the Colts being 1-3-1 and one in the division, the best they possibly could be at that point with their Week 18 matchup against the, the Texans that they wouldn't be 2-3-1. and one. So you're looking at a massive hole that you'd have to overcome that I just can't feel good about the Colts doing, especially if you lose to this team coming off of their best offensive performance of the season against Jacksonville last week. I'm with you. This is either one of those games where you win if you're the Colts and you are in the driver's seat and should ride that to the rest of through the rest of the season and win the division. Or if you lose, it's kind of the same old, same old with those Colts where they give you reason to believe. And then when it truly gets down to those pivotal games like we've seen in the past few years, especially kind of even going back to last year, they just can't get over the hump. Mm. No, I think that's especially in Tennessee. You know, right, I, well, with right. Tennessee, I mean, they, they keep losing these these sort of head-to-head battles with the Titans. And before that, there were a couple with the Texans where it felt just like this. The winner's going to win the division. Houston came into Indy and won a couple big games and, and won the division those years. Now it's Tennessee. Uh, the last two years it's been Tennessee. They've lost those games. Here it is again, a chance right in front of you. You got to go down to Nashville. You got to find a way to win the game. If you do, you're going to be the team to beat in the in the division the rest of the way. If you don't, like you said, the uphill battle I think becomes a little too much because you're not going to win any tiebreakers. You, you've lost the head-to-head. You, like you said, you're probably going to lose the division record tiebreaker at that point. So I, I think you're – if you lose on Sunday and you're the Colts, you've, you've bitten off too much to chew. Tennessee's in a little bit different situation because it's just their second division game. They've got a lot still ahead of them. They could lose this game, theoretically still finish 5-1 and one in the division. So I think they're in better shape if they don't win the game. But I still think there's a psychological advantage there. You know, they didn't get it done. They had a chance to put it away, and they didn't get it done. That, that would linger. And if you look at their schedule, they've got they've got some tough games coming up. You know, some of the games the Colts have already been through, like Kansas City, for instance, still on that Tennessee schedule. And also, too, George, for like the first time in a long time, like I'm just sick of, especially as a fan, sick of having other teams try to help the Colts out. You know, like that, that's especially the last few years when the Colts have got to the slow start. That's what you're doing. You're scoreboard watching, seeing, oh, who is Tennessee playing? Let's root for, you know, in instances last year, root for the Texans to beat the Titans. Or you just need other teams to help you out where, like, this is an opportunity for the first time in a long time to take control of your own destiny you win in week seven and now it is like you said your path to win the division and i would say it would be you know disappointment at that point if you don't come out on on top at the end of the year texas and jaguars are are way tougher like you mentioned in the last few years with that said do i think that the texans are a true contender for the division absolutely not and saying the jaguars like they're two and four they got to a nice start they blasted the chargers you kind of think oh maybe this is a, a legitimate jaguars team now this showed you kind of that youth and inexperience is kind of, you know, it's rearing its ugly head in Jacksonville. Where it's going to be kind of a roller coaster, I think, all year. It'll be better than it happened in the past few years, but that still doesn't equate, I think, at least to being, you know, a true division contender this year, at least. So again, it's coming down to the Colts and, and Titans. And again, right, if you can split here for the Colts and actually be in control of your own destiny for the division for the first time in a long time, Colts have not been in that position. And it would be a, a huge relief to just worry about yourself. Right, you know, you don't have to worry any other games, no tiebreakers. Just worry about yourself. Take care of your own business going forward, and you should be in a, in a good spot at the end of the year looking up being that uh, AC South champion and getting that home playoff game as well. 
So if the Jet, uh, if the Colts, excuse me, are going to win in Tennessee, George, for the first time since 2020, we saw Philip Rollers on, a, on, I believe, a short week on Thursday night go into Tennessee and win. How are the Colts going to do it? Is it going to be the same schedule uh, or the same recipe, I should say, as Sunday when they threw the ball 58 times uh, in order to beat the Jaguars? There's a kind of a, a combination, you think, uh, of run and pass. Like we've kind of seen this Colts offense try to do for the most part before uh, before that Jacksonville game. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I think they're going to have to keep some element of that quick passing game in, in the offense, whether it's, you know, the tempo that, that that they ran with in Jacksonville as often. I don't know if you're going to see that, uh, but I do think that 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 shotgun look, getting the ball out quick, spreading the ball around, that has to stay no matter whether they're huddling or not, no matter whether they're rushing the line of scrimmage or not. I feel like that's something that they're going to need to do to, to just have any kind of success with this offense this year, uh, the, I think the interesting element coming in right now is at least on Thursday, and we'll see how this goes. Uh, it appears that Jonathan Taylor may be back uh, after a two-week absence. I know when the media walked into the locker room on, on Thursday, Naheem Hines was serenading him with "Welcome back." That seemed Ooh, like a pretty that's good, a good sign, sign, you know. Good sign. Um, but you know, if, if learn anything around this league, you take nothing for granted. It looks that like could he's, be just he's on track. Evil gamesmanship. That's also oh, true. That would be next level. <laughs> <laughs> or unbridled optimism. Um, oh, but, so you know, <laughs> either way, uh, things look to be on track for him. He said he's feeling really good. Uh, and obviously, if he's back, you're going to want him more involved than the run game was on Sunday against Jacksonville. But I think you've got to be careful not to overdo that, especially on early downs. I think that's the biggest thing. We've been talking for a while now, throw to set up the run. And a lot of that, what we're saying is, don't run on first down and put yourself in second and nine and second and 10, you know, every, every possession. Um, I think they've got to avoid that. And so does Matt Ryan need to throw the ball 58 times to beat Tennessee? No, that that's probably not necessarily the recipe, uh, but I do think they need to, to continue using being a pass first team and using that quick pass game in particular. I'm with you 100%. Like Frank Reich, right, in his five years here, has preached balance. He's repeatedly saying he wants to, you know, run the ball and pass the ball and kind of basically always keep the defense guessing. He doesn't want any tendencies to be kind of figured out easy by the defense where, hey, they're going to pass more all the time or run more all the time. They want to be balanced down the middle. But I thought he also made an interesting point this week when it comes to this matchup specifically. And he said that, you know, the balance is a season, you know, worth of balance. Each week, it does depend kind of matchup-based where, hey, if the Colts need to throw the ball, say, 50 times, they'll do so. Like, we just saw it in Jacksonville. They threw the ball 58 times. Frank Reich was not really too worried about mixing the run in the pass. And I think this week, like I said, 58 times, probably not. But 40 times, bare minimum, I think it is going to have to be the passing number for, for Matt Ryan here. Again, Parker, it's just matchup-dependent. Like, you look at the, the Titans, the Titans are the worst pass defense in the NFL. Now, you can make the argument that, look, when the Colts and Titans met in uh, week four for the first time, the Titans were the worst rush defense in the NFL at that time, and the Colts ran for, you know, or Jonathan Taylor's ran for 42 yards, and they got nothing going on the ground. So you can say, well, you know, when the Titans come in as the worst blank, whatever, the Colts cannot, you know, exploit that weakness. But this has to be a game where you kind of mirror what you did last week at Jacksonville, where you have to throw the ball a ton, where you have to throw the ball, like you mentioned, to set up the run. If Jonathan Taylor's back, that's a huge boost for, for the Colts for sure. With that said, though, the return of him should not really impact the game plan too much. It still has to be, I think, a large carbon copy of what you did in Jacksonville. Like you mentioned, are you going to run no huddle offense every single drive? Probably not. 
but I think it should be still used way more than they have up till last week for sure. Like you have to mix it in a good amount. And like I said, you're going to throw the ball 58 times. Probably not, not to that extreme, but 40, 45 times. I think bare minimum, you have to be throwing the ball because you have to be able to take advantage of what the uh, other team's weaknesses is. And for this specific matchup against Tennessee, they cannot stop the pass to save their life right now. And I wonder, you know, you go back to the opener against Houston and, and it was their best running game of the year. A lot of that came in the fourth quarter when they were in a hurry up offense and they were running out of a spread spread set. You know, they were in a shotgun, spread that defense out, got them on their heels, and then they were running at them with Jonathan Taylor. I think that's something that you should see on Sunday as well. I mean, to me, that's the best we've seen of Jonathan Taylor all year. I think you can catch the defense in some run-friendly looks that way, and you can also get them a little bit off guard. You can get them kind of almost lulled to sleep with that quick passing game, and they start thinking that's what you're doing, and then all of a sudden you give it to, to Taylor up the middle, and, and he's shown the ability to break one. So you know, I, I think it can help the run game without changing the game plan all that drastically. Another part of the run game, Georgia, we saw especially on Sunday against the Jaguars, is a short passing game. Like Deion Jackson caught 10 passes out of the backfield, right? Short passes, screens, just, you know, little dump offs. It's an extension of the run game. Same thing with Jonathan Taylor. Like he has good hands. He's able to, you know, he's shifty, obviously in space. And that's been the biggest struggle for the Colts right now is getting him in space where he can show off that speed and power and burst and ability to make the first defender miss. You can extend um, the run game by, you know, again, throwing the ball, targeting him six, eight, ten times, maybe including Naeem Hines in there as well. Like That's another area you could take advantage of and just put in like we've been talking about all season long, George, put your best players in a position to succeed. The Colts absolutely cannot get any sort of push established in their week four matchup. I don't think it's going to be that much better. Like They should be able to run the ball a little bit better, especially now when you saw an offensive line that is starting to you know build some cohesion. And I thought even last week the stats were not that great running rise, but I thought they ran the ball when they had to and converted for the first time this season. So still, like it, you have ways where you can get John Taylor the ball and have him make plays, but it should be, like I said, still for the most part here, a pass-heavy offense to take advantage of a very, very weak Titan secondary. And they got to give Matt Ryan time. I mean, the biggest stat yes. on Sunday was was zero sacks. You know, 58 dropbacks, zero sacks, a pretty remarkable number. Uh, that's that's how Tennessee is going to get to you. That's how they got to him in the first meeting, sacks and turnovers. You know, the Colts lose that game by a touchdown. They turn the ball over three times. I believe Matt Ryan was sacked four or five times in that game. You know, you, you can't – that can't happen again. That's why I go back to that quick passing game. You know, they may not have time to really – attack downfield the way maybe some other teams can against this this Tennessee team but I think they do have time to do what they did against the Jaguars on Sunday get that ball out fast get it in Michael Pittman's hands let him make plays after the catch let Paris Campbell make plays after the catch and then take a shot here and there with Alec Pierce you know when you want to go deep uh, and also you know you mentioned Jonathan Taylor he broke a couple last year in, in the past game he, he's a guy that you know he can take one of those 60 or 70 yards We've been talking about not having that quick strike ability. He can do that in the passing game as well. And especially, I'm glad you brought the quick passing game because, right, like we saw a majority really outside of the Alec Pierce touchdown pass, almost all of Matt Ryan's pass attempts for the most part were short to intermediate routes. Um, but you look at the Colts, like that's also with their receivers and tight ends, not the worst thing in the world. Michael Pittman Jr. is a, is a big physical wide receiver. Jelani Woods, Mo Ali Cox are two physically imposing tight ends. You have Alec Pierce now really starting to kind of show you, you know, or start to feel, I guess, comfortable in his body. He's winning one-on-one matchups. He's using his size. He's a, you know, tough guy where he can take a hit. Like, the Colts have a lot of 
physical big body receivers where they can win in those tight windows. You don't have, you know, you don't need to be 50 yards down the field, wide open over for the Colts to convert. Just hit them, you know, hit them in the targets and just kind of continue what you did on, uh, on Sunday. And you mentioned the tight ends. They were huge in the first meeting against Tennessee. Uh, A lot of uh, throws over the middle to them. Uh, I think against Jacksonville, a lot of that over the middle stuff went to to Campbell and, and Pittman. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that mix works, you know, on Sunday. But you know, maybe it's it's taking what they did last time against Tennessee and mixing the wide receivers into it as well, and you know, really just trying to flood the middle of that field with targets for Matt Ryan. And another huge key for this game, George, we were saying it literally all season long, but I think it rings true, especially in this game. You can't beat yourself. Like we've talked about it since that Week Four game against Tennessee. Coming out of the game, it, it feels more like the Colts lost that game compared to the Titans winning it. When you're up 24 to three in the first half, and the Titans look by far, you know, intimidating. They were dominating the game, and all of a sudden they're kind of holding on for dear life. And each of the three times, especially in the fourth quarter, and the Colts got it to one touchdown, they had a chance to take the lead. It's a penalty. It's a fumble. It's a missed field goal. It's a sack. And next thing you know, you you can't score no touchdown, you lose. But a lot of it is self-imposed issues. Like you mentioned, they had three turnovers. They had, I believe it was three sacks on Matt Ryan, seven penalties. If you clean up your own mistakes, and they did that against Jacksonville, you're winning this game. You're winning mm-hmm. this game, especially when you look at how bad the Titans have been in the second half. I mean, George, they're outscored. The Titans are being outscored through five games, 71 to 14 in the second half. Colts fans, we saw it on week four. You saw it in person, George, in that game. They had one first down in the second half. That's it. Couldn't do anything. You got to be able just to not beat yourself. And I go back to, you know, that, that beating yourself kind of situation. The last three drives the Colts had in that game down one score, 24 to 17, you get inside the 30 on all three of them. One of them is undone by a fumble that they recovered that became a sack. That was an awful, awful play, but they end up, I think punting from Tennessee's 39 or something like that. It was a ridiculous situation. The next one is undone when Jonathan Taylor fumbles. He never fumbles. Fumbles on third and two, and they lose and that. And may have been stuffed, by the way. Possession. If he kept the may ball, I don't think he even got the first down. They're probably going to have to go for it on fourth down or kick field goal. And the third one is, you know, a sack that that ends up forcing a, a long 51-yard field goal that they miss. So you can't – those were self-inflicted things. Two fumbles, one they lost, one that just killed the drive, two sacks, one that, you know, helped in the drive in and of itself, and the other one that led to a, a missed field goal – Three trips inside the other team's 30 in a game you're trailing by seven and you get zero points. That's when we're saying don't be yourself, that's the epitome of it right there. If you've got those kind of situations, finish these drives. But you know, it, it's simple stuff. And it's it's been that way, I feel like, all year long, except for last year. They get into a situation, they have a chance to make a play, somebody misses an assignment. Somebody misses, you know, something physically, whatever it may be, and you turn the ball over or you put yourself way behind the chains. It's so simple. And it's just so frustrating because like we sound like a broken record, George. Like every week, every, we just don't beat yourself, don't beat yourself. And this team can win way more games than they should. This is a matchup where especially is don't beat yourself and you should win. The Titans, the one thing they don't do, beat themselves. We, we talk about just that matchup. Colts had three turnovers. Titans had zero. Like they held on for sure for dear life, but also they put themselves in a position to win because they didn't they didn't give the Colts any uh, extra opportunities. They didn't give them any short fields or, or momentum changing plays. They just held on to the ball. Ryan Tannehill took care of it. Derek Henry took care of it. 
And they were able to just, at the end, make enough winning plays where the Colts, like you mentioned, could not close out that game to save their life. But also, too, it's fascinating, George, when it comes to the Titans matchup as always, right? It always revolves around Derrick Henry and his ability to get going. And he's, he is the, always the catalyst for the Titans. It's interesting because when you look at the second half stat I just threw out there, the 71-14 to being outscored in the second half, I think the more surprising part of that stat, George, is the 14 on the Titans. Because especially to the last few years, this has been an offense that's always been slow starting. Right, Derrick Henry usually traditionally takes a while to kind of get going first quarter. You know, you can kind of get him and kind of keep him contained second quarter for the most part. But it feels like after halftime, all of a sudden this guy just turns into beast mode. And next thing you know, you can hold him like 40 yards in the first half. You look up, you know, late in the fourth quarter, and he's like 140, 150 yards with two touchdowns. He has always been the king of kind of grinding out defenses. And this year, it's not been the case. Like, this offense just can't. They have two touchdowns in the second half, and Derrick Henry's, if anything, getting off to hot starts and can't finish. It's it's bizarre that this year the uh, the offense for Tennessee, especially Derrick Henry, you know, on the ground, has flipped upside down. We saw that in person, too, you know, in, yeah. in that first meeting. He had 99 yards in the first half. Looked like he was going to go for one of those epic days that, 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 you know, they talk about for years. And then he had 15 yards total in the second half. So, um you can't count on it continuing, but it's definitely something you've got to keep your eye on. And I think what it points to is for the first time all year, the Colts need a fast start. And if they can get out, we were talking about this before we went on the air. If, if they get a halftime lead, which would, by the way, be their first of the season, you would be really good about, about where they're at. You know, if you can go out there and get off to a hot start, get a lead early, or at least not be down by 21 entering <laughs> the third quarter, like they were a year ago or you know, two weeks ago. Um, that that's a key. I, I really think the first half is going to be the key because you feel like there's going to be opportunities in the second. And the Colts have been a very good second half team all year long, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's just those first two and sometimes the third quarter where they let the game get away from them. I mean, look, you take the the Titans first half team, the Colts second half team. I, this might be the best team in the NFL yeah. with how dominant Titans are in the first half, how good the Colts are in the second half. I don't know if anyone, the Bills, the Eagles, they might not be able to beat this team for sure. Yeah. But like you're, and that's part of the reason, George. When we go back to how this team needs to play an offense to start this game to win this game, and I think it goes back to why you have to still be pass first because you got to take advantage of this, you know, weak Tennessee defense. You can't or secondary, you can't give them any sort of breath of life if you do try to run the ball early and have no success. In part because right, a fast start is so imperative. To where if you can even just be tied. Just don't get down 24-3. Like, the bar is so low for this team in this matchup for them to win the game in the first half. Just come out and just even throw the first punch. God forbid you, you take a, a first-half lead. Score the first touchdown. Like, you really kind of could win the game. You could win the game in the first quarter. Honestly, like, if you could play clean, maybe score a first-quarter touchdown, this team is built right now in the second half, and the Titans are so bad in the second half that you, you could win this game early on in the game. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. I, the only time I can remember them scoring first was Houston. Uh, they might have scored first against Kansas City. They didn't get the first because touchdown. of the, the fumble. They went like three and out mm -hmm. or whatever. Maybe one first down. Sky Moore fumbles the punt, and that's how the Colts, you know, get that short field. Otherwise, I think that was I think that was it. Ah, so I mean, it's, it, that's where you're at, though. You know, it, I think twice this year that they've scored first, and most of the time they haven't scored till the other team had ten or seventeen or twenty. So, um. Yeah, you can't do that against Tennessee. I mean, of all the teams, you can't really do it against anybody, uh, but especially Tennessee. I mean, they're the team that, that that's what they feast on. You hand them things, and I think the Colts gave them two short fields early in that game. I, I feel like 
I have a memory of them giving up about 14 points to the Titans on turnovers in that game. Yeah. That just cannot happen because that's, that's what Mike Vrabel's waiting for you to do. He's going to hang around. He's going to, you know, play tough physical football. He's going to lean on you the whole day. And as soon as you cough something up and, and hand them an opening. And if you go back to this four game winning streak, Tennessee's very rarely blown the Colts out. These have mostly been close games. One score games, I think the last three, definitely the last two, you've got to be on your P's and Q's in this game. You've got to protect the football. You've got to protect the quarterback, and you've got to not get an outrageous number of penalties. It sounds so simple, but it, honestly, in probably at least four of the six weeks, the Colts haven't done it. And that's part of the reason why when we go, when I, you know, kind of jokingly ask you, like, do you feel confident about what Colts team is going to show up this week. That's part of like the, the confusion and, and the, why this team is so hard to pin down and why we are just one in five in our picks is because you don't know which Colts team is going to show up and you expect them to play well. They don't. When you write them off, of course, that's when they, you know, have their Rudy moment, rally around Frank Reich and go win the game. You don't expect them to win. It is just, it's always so backwards. This is a game where like, we're laying it out. Like, I don't feel like we're being unfair to Tennessee, by the way. I don't think we're being homers, Georgia, and trying to make it seem like, oh, the Colts should, as long as they beat, you know, don't beat themselves and don't do anything outrageous, they should win this game. Like, I think it's, I think we're being right. Like, you see Tennessee, you see the way this first game went, you see how Tennessee plays the rest of the season so far. It's not a world beating Tennessee team. It's not the same Titans team that went to the AC title game in 2019 and, you know, has dominated this conference or division, let's say, the last two years. This is a vulnerable team that is, out there for the taking, Colts got to finish a job. Couldn't do it in week four. You got to be able to finish a job here, deliver the first punch, put them out of their misery early, and just finish the game in the second half. This has to be one of those games. In fairness to Tennessee, you know, they're beat up. You know, Taylor Lewan's out, their left tackle. They, they've been trying to rotate people around the on, on the defensive line. They lost Harold Landry before the season began. Probably their best pass rusher. They still have a good front front four without him. Uh, but with him, they're that much more dangerous. And then, you know, I'll, you'll never get me to understand the A.J. Brown trade. That, to me, is still the biggest head-scratcher of, of the offseason. Um, that's why that's not the same Tennessee team. You know, take those three guys or guys of that caliber off any team. They're not going to be as dangerous as they were the year before. But I think what makes them so dangerous in this matchup is Mike Vrabel. You know, they're, he's going to go out there and they're going to be consistent and they're not going to beat themselves. And, and and that's why we keep, you know, we keep hammering that home. That's why it's such a simple situation for the Colts. You can't make the kind of mistakes that you've made so many times this year. And it was absolutely the difference in that first game. You go back to that game, the turnovers, the sacks, not finishing drives in the fourth quarter. That's why the Titans came out of there with a win and, and the Colts were saddled with another loss. A hundred percent. It's. Football is very simple when you, we can just simplify it and make it easy. Like I said, the, the Titans, their their formula is very easy. Just run the ball, don't beat yourself, and basically take advantage of the other team's mistakes. The Colts have done that for sure. And like you mentioned before, it's just Vrabel is a very, very, very good coach, and the Titans are banged up, but even more the reason why the Colts need to take advantage. They're getting healthy at the right time. Obviously, we don't know about Shaquille Leonard. We'll see, but even if he doesn't play, you should have Jonathan Taylor back. You should have, you should have Naeem Hines back. Like the Colts are the healthier team and relatively have been pretty healthy so far for the most part of the season. And especially against this Titans team, like you mentioned. So just another reason to add on top of why the Colts not only need to, should win this game in Tennessee going forward. So me and George have given our thoughts for the game. Let's go behind enemy lines and the blue horseshoe pod does return. 
Blaine Bishop will join us, kind of give us his view on the Titans so far through five games. And if he's nervous or feeling confident that this is a Titans game they'll win, we'll discuss with Blaine when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns.